In the book, Honoring the Body, author Stephanie Paulsell writes of her best friend, Kay, and Kay's mother, Thelma. Now, Kay and Thelma, Stephanie writes, love to bathe. They make a long, delicious ritual of it. And Kay's earliest memory is of sitting on the bathroom floor each night, talking with her mother during her mother's nighttime bath. After a long day of teaching kindergarten and engaging her own three active daughters, Thelma would step into the tub, prop her head up and back, and just relax into the water. And while Kay had her mother all to herself in the damp, warm intimacy of the bathroom, she would tell her mother everything she had been unable to tell her during the day. Thelma would listen and would comment as she washed herself with a cloth, swishing water over her right arm and then her left. And finally, she would wring out her washcloth, shake it open, close her eyes, and scrub her face until it shone pink. Kay would hand her a towel and watch as her mother dried herself off, smoothed on her face cream, and scooted her off to bed. Through her daily actions, Thelma taught her daughter the sacredness of the human body, the intimacy of connection, the care that every human body is worth. Thelma taught Kay what it means to be embodied creatures. And Stephanie writes that Kay's delight in and imitation of her mother had actual physical results and consequences in the world. Stephanie says, I have seen my friend wring out her washcloth and scrub her face pink a hundred times at least. Kay is embodying her mother's movements in her own life and her own bathing rituals. Now, we all have stories of how we've learned about our own bodies, whether for good or ill. Most usually, it's a complicated mixture of the two. We've learned from the very youngest of ages how to inhabit our bodies, and then we have to learn all over again at puberty what it means to be embodied in this new way. We can trust our bodies or betray them or feel betrayed by them. We love them, disdain them, loathe them, try to change them. We can feel defeated by our bodies and throw our hands up in despair, or at the other extreme, we can conquer and punish our bodies, repeating phrases like, no pain, no gain, and losing the same 10 pounds over and over. We purchase anti-aging cream or comb over our bald spots, or look at so-called thinspiration. We've absorbed all of the messed up messages our society gives us about what it means to have a body, to be embodied. Now Abraham and Sarah had absorbed their own culture's messages of embodiment. What did it mean for Abraham and Sarah to be part of their world? It meant to have children, and many of them. 
Their legacy was tied up in their body's ability to reproduce. And so at age 99, Abraham viewed his wife's body as as good as dead. And he viewed his own body in the same way. Abraham's impotence becomes his defining bodily characteristic. We know nothing about his body other than that. And then God comes. Abraham, we're told, has faith. And this faith is embodied, embodied trust. And Sarah and Abraham, in their old age, they bear a son they named Isaac for laughter because they laughed so much at the idea of them having a child in their old age. But it's amazing what human bodies can do, and it's amazing what God can do in and through human bodies. How many of you have watched the Olympics over the past few weeks? Amazing, amazing feats of the human body. Now, when Jesus comes, the disciples expect that this human body is going to do amazing things. And we're tempted to believe that faith means no vulnerability. That because God can do anything, that anything less than anything is just a failure on God's part or on our part. The fact that there are some things that bodies just can't do, well, surely not. So Jesus announces his fate to undergo suffering and rejection, to take up his cross, to be killed, to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. And Peter rebukes Jesus. And I love Peter because I also love telling Jesus what to do. Peter says, no, surely not. Have faith, Jesus. Be stronger, Jesus. Look at some inspiring pictures or Olympic coverage of human bodies doing amazing things, Jesus. Surely, if you're God, you can do better than that. But Jesus isn't here to impress us with his age-defying miracles. Jesus is not here to give us a fountain of youth. Jesus is not here to substitute for all of the millions of dollars we spend on cosmetics and age-defying everything. Instead, Jesus is here to embody vulnerability. Jesus, the transcendent God, has become imminent, present with us, in solidarity with us. And so Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan! Or, Get behind me, you accusing one! You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human ones. Because our human concern is sometimes to preserve our own bodies, to meet expectations of what good bodies are, 
to categorize, to categorize bodies as good or bad bodies. And we, as humans, we think we know what amazing bodies look like. But God shows the beauty and vulnerability, the eternality and mortality, the divine in embodied love. So to return to the story of Kay and her mother Thelma, the attention Kay brings to her mother, says Stephanie, has only intensified now that her mother is dying of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like the little girl in the bathroom, Kay continues to study her mother as if her mother's body were the most sacred of texts. And as always, Kay's loving attention is rewarded because just as Thelma had taught her how to turn a bath into a time of quiet pleasure and intimacy, Thelma now teaches her daughter Kay how to die. It is her last great gift to her daughter. And so Kay writes this of her mother's last bath. She insists on being clean. And today, my sister and I invited her to a bath, if she was up to it, in the late afternoon. The appointed time came. Mom worked and worked and finally sat up in the side of her bed, legs down, feet toward the floor. Then the vomiting began, violent vomiting taking the last bit of her strength. She told me how to draw the bath, showing me with her hands how deep. I turned the bathroom heater on. I cleaned the hair out of the drain trap. I ran all hot water at first to warm the tub, then moderated it, checking with my wrist. She shuffled to the bathroom, sat down on a towel I had placed on the edge of the tub, we undressed her. She stood up, grabbed the grip bar that my dad had installed for her, and I stood behind her, straddling the tub, ready to catch her in case she fell. She told me I needed to trust her, to know what she could do. And then that precious body that I have looked at and loved and memorized lowered into the water. She never opened her eyes, but lay there, still, silent. Then put her hand out, and I placed a plastic cup in it, as we had discussed I would. She slowly lifted the cup of water and poured it over her arms. Lying back, she poured another cup over her throat and neck, sighing a tiny sound of pleasure. The water sounded like baptism, holy, quiet, small splashes. <coughs> Stephanie concludes, The bath ended with Kay pouring cup after cup of water onto her mother's head gently moving her fingers to the tiny bit of hair still growing there. 
Velma kept both ears shut against the water with the pointer finger of each hand. Her quiet sighs of pleasure matched by the sobs rising up from inside Kay as her tears fell into the water of her mother's last bath. The eyes of love with which Kay gazes at her dying mother perceive the sacredness of every inch of her mother's suffering body. This does not mean that her heart is not breaking. This does not mean that it is not unbearable to hold her mother as she vomits, to watch helplessly as she struggles to swallow even one sip of water. It means that when her mother pours water over her throat and neck, my friend can hear the echo of the waters of her mother's baptism, which promises that her dignity will not be compromised by bed sores or vomit. It means that no matter how wasted her mother's body becomes, she recognizes there what the women who washed Jesus' feet with tears and ointment saw, a suffering temple of the Holy Spirit, cherished by God. Thelma showed Kay how to live and how to die in the bodies that we are given. Thelma had cared for Kay when she was a tiny, vulnerable baby and had nurtured her during their nighttime talks over the bath. And now Kay had the opportunity to care for her mother and her aged vulnerability. Jesus, too, shows us what it is to care, to live, and to die. Christ shows us what love looks like in the flesh. And in response, we care for Christ as we encounter him in our neighbor, in the sick, in the poor, in the community, in the suffering, in our own fragile bodies. For paradoxically, love's strength is shown through vulnerability. Love's power is made perfect in weakness. And it is through death that we, through the grace of God, experience true life. Amen.